Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. One of the ways in which we describe our gathering points in this church is um, that we don't want to be, this is particularly for the American guys, uh, we don't want to be the halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl. We want to be the halftime team talk in the football match. So we don't want this to be like the event and the experience where everyone comes and goes, yes! We want this to be in the dressing room at halftime when we hear stories and, and we correct some stuff and we do some healing. The physio comes in and mends some things. And then, and then I get to say, come on, we can do better. And there's some tactics here and there's some new ideas. And, 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 and if that is every Sunday, this is kind of the heart of that. Because you're the core. You're the guys who showed up to pray and worship together. You're the guys who said, well, it's really hot out there, and we could be on the meadows still having a barbecue, but we came into the house of God today because we wanted to hear from God. We wanted to connect with God. There's something significant about this being the team. So so tonight, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about how we can better encounter God and how we can enable that encounter with God to change our lives in such incredible ways. So I'd love you to turn in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, to the Acts of the Apostles, which is the story, the stories of the early church, the stories of the people who began to say, we have met Jesus and Jesus has changed everything and, 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 and this is what it means to be the people of, of God. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. I love this, by the way. I love the prayer meeting. It's incredible when we gather together to pray. Uh, this was a week in which Muhammad Ali died. And it's very sad, and he was a very significant man. Perhaps one of the greatest human beings of our lifetime. Uh, a significant guy, a guy who stood head and shoulders above many other guys. But I listened to an interview yesterday from a boxer who said, more people knew Muhammad Ali than knew God. Muhammad Ali was more popular than God. More people knew Muhammad Ali than knew God. And I thought two things at the same time. I thought, wow, that guy was a very special guy. More people knew him and knew about him and heard about him than knew about God. And then I thought, how sad that the creator of the universe, who has an incredible plan and purpose for your life, there are more people that know about a boxer than know about him. And so for me, this is so exciting when we gather together and when we pray and when we talk about prayer because prayer is so important. It's so exciting because there is something that happens when the availability of the people of God collides significantly with the ability of the person of God. When we seek the presence of God, something happens. The availability of the people of God collides with the ability of the person of God and something is birthed, something changes, something shifts, something gets created. That's why prayer is so important because God is always looking for his children to communicate with him and to get his heart. Something is going to shift and something is going to change. So tonight, just a story of encounter, a story of begging and a story of the power of God. Are you up for it? 
six of you. <laughs> I said, you're the core. Are you up for it? Yes. Now 22. It's good. Um, so, so Acts chapter 3, let me set the scene for you before we read. This is exciting stuff. By any stretch of the imagination, this is really exciting stuff. The, the disciples have had their minds blown and their hearts blown open wide by the fact that Jesus had died on a cross and then they'd seen a dead man walk three days later. I mean, just had blown everything apart. And then they were told to wait in Jerusalem and they weren't quite sure why they should wait in Jerusalem and they were fearful of waiting in Jerusalem and then the Holy Spirit shows up and everything goes crazy. Suddenly God is evidently alive and something is happening with them and they're all excited and thousands of people get added to their number and this thing called the church is born. And Peter and John, chapter 3, verse 1, were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, notice that word, instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And we'll finish at verse 11. Listen, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And we're just going to teach through this, this passage of Scripture. So Peter and John went to pray. In other words, Peter and John did what they always did. The pattern of God at the center of their lives. They got up at the time of prayer and they walked up to the temple because whatever was going on in their lives, God was going on in their lives. Whatever was going on in their lives, God was going to go on in their lives. I mean, they could have been excused for everything going out the window because something freaky was going on. A dead man had walked. And the temptation must have been just to ditch everything and start something new. But whatever was going on in their lives, God was going to go on in their lives. Whatever is going on in your life. Whatever distraction is going on in your life, whatever deadline at work is going on in your life, whatever exams at school are going on in your life, whatever circumstances of life is going on in your life, whether the Euro football championships is going on in your life, God is going on in your life. There is a discipline and there is an order and there is a pattern. Because, listen, if you want to live a life anointed with the power of God, you better get a life patterned with the presence of God. If you, if you want to live a life anointed with the power of God, you better live a life patterned with the presence of God or you will never see the purposes of God released in your life. It's just not going to happen. If you want to live a life in the power of God, you better live a life patterned with the presence of God or you will never see the purposes of God begin to be released in your life. 
Put it another way. Do you have a ritual of prayer? Do you have a rhythm of prayer that allows for the purposes of God to be downloaded to your life and then through your life? Peter and John went to pray. At the time of prayer, they went to pray. There was supernatural stuff going on, but they were going to do what they knew how to do. And then God interrupted their schedule. You see that? They got a schedule, but God interrupts their schedule. He sees his guys with this pattern of devotion, walking the right way, and then he interrupts their right way. He interrupts their schedule with his schedule. There was a man begging at the entrance to the gate beautiful. This is another sermon entirely, so don't get me too distracted, but you notice that miracles always happen outside of the temple? The miracle's always happening outside of the church building. The miracle's happening outside of the gate. It's not happening inside of the gate because a guy put on a nice white shiny suit and said, I feel a healing coming on. It happens outside of the gate. But that's a whole other sermon for another day. God interrupts their schedule. If I'm really honest, I'm deeply concerned about the amount of times and the amount of opportunities I miss the plan of God. Because my diary is so busy and my head is so stuffed full that I miss innumerable opportunities to cooperate with the current of the power of God because I'm not just, just not on his wavelength. I'm moving at 100 miles an hour and God's moving at three. I'm moving at 100 miles an hour and God's moving at three. And I've got an agenda to get to and I've got a people to see and I've got things to do. And God's saying, hello. I've got something for you to engage in that's going to change you and it's going to change people around you. You get an opportunity to find yourself in the center of my restoration job for people and for situations. And I'm not even listening. God says, I want you to seek my face and I want you to stop what you're doing and I want you to stoop low and I want you to reach out a hand because I'm going to connect you to my power and I'm going to connect people to my presence I, I have learned I have learned that I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that does not come from the seed I did not sow. That's good. You can write that down. I, I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that does not come from the seed I did not sow. I didn't sow it in prayer. I didn't allow myself to be interrupted. I didn't seek the face of God. I didn't stop, I didn't stoop, I didn't speak, and I got all frustrated about there being no fruit in my life. And I said, God, where were you? Nobody's getting healed, and nobody's getting free, and nobody's getting forgiven, and nobody's getting saved. God, what's going on? Where were you? And he says, hey, i got a pattern for a supernatural life for you. It goes simply like this. Would you seek, and would you stop, and would you stoop, and would you serve, and would you speak? 
and untold amounts of power encounters will happen if you will be willing to be interrupted by a supernatural God. You have no right to be disappointed or frustrated by the fruit that does not come from the seed you did not sow. Peter and John went to pray. The pattern of prayer the pattern of prayer is not an abdication of responsibility for, for the purposes of God. It's an indication of your availability, which will prompt opportunities from the Almighty that come in the forms of interruptions and inconveniences that initially will challenge your life and then will become the pattern of your life, your way of life, if you want to move in power. That's a very long sentence. But I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. If you will allow yourself to be interrupted in prayer, then those interruptions and those challenges will form the reality of your life. And it will change the way in which you live. If you let it, even tonight, there will be a moment when you shift from being a consumer of the presence of God and become a participant in the power of God. If you let it. Because he's not a bully boy God. He's, he's not interested in getting your arm up your back and forcing you into anything. He's saying, here's an opportunity for you to shift from being a consumer to being a participant. That's why this is so special. Because this room is full of participants. This room is full of people who are saying, God, I want to be interrupted. God, I want to stop and I want to stoop and I want to serve and I want to speak. I want to see things happen in and through my life because I want to be plugged into the power of God. I want to show you how you can do this by just um, asking you two questions that sound a little bit weird, but stay with me. The two questions are these. Setting you up, no surprises coming. Here it is. Who is your and and what is your power? Who is your and and what is your power? And I want you to notice that Peter and John went up to pray. Peter and John. And, and I'm not sure whose idea it was. I, I have a feeling it was Peter's. He was always coming up with the goofy ideas. But Peter and John went to pray. Here's the thing. If you would live this kind of supernatural, involved in the power of God life, you have to answer one simple question. Who is your and? Who, who is your and? I mean, John doesn't appear to do much in the story. It's all about Peter. It's, it's always all about Peter. John, John's just there. But he's there. If John wasn't there, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have the story. Peter would just be doing some foolish stuff, and John would be not there at all and not there to correct things and, 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 and clean up the mess. Thank, thank God. Thank God for John's. Thank God for the ones that aren't always having to speak and the ones that always, aren't always having to come up with the idea, but the ones who are just there, the ones who are serving, the ones who are alongside, the, the ands. I'm, I'm six foot five, quite well built, and I, 
someone nearly whistle then. <laughs> Don't do that. That's awful. And I love Jesus, and I'm totally committed, and I'm, I'm not afraid of anything apart from the dark. I'm not really afraid of the dark, and I won't don't tell anyone else, because this is like the core team, so we don't tell anyone else out there. But honestly, here's what happens. If my family, I've got five women who live in the house, and if my family are there, it's cool. Turn all the lights off when we go to bed. Not a problem at all. We're locked up. I feel secure, and I feel safe. But when they all go away, and it's just me in the house, I leave the light on. On the landing, not in my room. I leave the light on. It's pathetic, but here's the thing. People make me brave. It just happens. People make me brave. If I'm going to witness to my faith, it's people that make me brave. Getting people around me who will witness to their faith makes me brave. If I'm going to pray in a prayer room, it's people that make me brave. People do something to me. The power of community is really, really significant. Peter and John go to pray. You see, Peter is brave already, but John has compassion. Let, let me speculate. If it was just John... I'm not sure they'd have stopped and spoken because John wasn't that naturally brave. It's not in the script, but just just stay with me. But if it was just Peter, they wouldn't have stopped either because Peter didn't care that much. John cares. John's John's looking and he's going, oh, it's a guy. He looks like he's been there for a long time. We need to stop. And Peter's just, oh, yeah, we need to stop. But John's not brave enough to get in there and say, hey, do you want to see healing in your life today? Peter doesn't care. He's going, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk because you need Peter and John. Who's your and? Who are the people that make you brave? Who are the people that are going to make you pray? Who are the people that are going to help you seek the face of God? Who are the people that are going to help you stop and speak truth into your life? Who are the people that are going to remind you that you're a supernatural child of God who's supposed to walk in supernatural ways? You're supposed to see transformation happen in and through your life. He is alive. A dead man walked. Who who, who are those people? Who's your and? Write it down. Write your and down. It's the best. It's the best thing you're going to write, actually. Not the funny little lines that I come up with, but who's your and? Who's the person that can inspire you and challenge you and make you brave? Write it down. Determined to say, I need to get with my ands because I need to seek the face of God. I want to be connected to the power. I want to move in transformation. Who's your and? And, and secondly, what's your power? We haven't got a lot of time, but, but notice this. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. I don't have much, but I've... In other words, he says, I don't have much, but I've got everything. And it's really, really important. And we need to pause here for just a moment. It's really important that this culture, this generation, this group of people, if you, if you, if you live in the States, just, you don't have to listen to this. You can doodle and play with something else. But, but if, you, if you're brought up in Scotland, Ireland, Britain, you need to listen really, really carefully to this. We need to read the whole of the sentence. Because most followers in this nation, they read the first part of that verse. And they, they, it's almost like they got it memorized. Memory verse, silver and gold I don't have. Right, I'll memorize that. I'll put it on my bathroom mirror. Silver and gold I don't have. I don't have silver and gold. I don't have anything else. I, I don't have very much. I don't have a lot of intellect. I don't have a lot of training. I'm not very good up front. I went to the wrong school. Why would anyone listen to me? Why would I choose someone else? I'm not qualified. 
And when the moment comes for you to sow and stop and stoop and serve and speak, it's not happening. Because you memorized the first half of the text and you didn't memorize the second half of the text. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I have, I give to you. Listen, stop looking at the things that you don't have. And start living with the things that you do have. And start offering the stuff that is yours to offer. What I have, I give to you. I might not have a lot academically or materially or financially or socially. But what I've got, I give to you. Listen, there are thousands of people in this nation today, in our society, who are begging at the beautiful gate because they have needs. I need help in my marriage. I need help raising my kids. I need help with finances. I need help with my health, my, my future, my boss, my job. I need help with my mental health. I need help with my addicted teenagers. I, need, I, need, I just need help. Silver and gold I don't have. I can't sort it out. I can't heal you or pay for your life. I can't change your relationships. I can't get you out of the hole that you find yourself in. But I got Jesus. Will that do? I, I, I've got Jesus. In, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, literally, if you're hearing this in the first century, if you're hearing this firsthand in the culture, in the competences of Jesus of Nazareth, in all the power of Jesus of Nazareth, in everything that Jesus of Nazareth is, everything he spoke about, everything he said that he would be, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. By the way, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He roars. He's the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. He's given his life as a sacrifice. By the way, he's the way, the truth, the life. In a world that's lost its way, he's definitive way. He's truth. He's, 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 he's truth you can stand your weight, the weight of your life on. He's life in all its fullness. By the way, he's the gate and he's the door and he's the light of the world. By the way, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, with all the competences and perfections of Jesus Christ and Nazareth, would you get on your feet and would you walk how about that it's not what I not got that we're going to focus on it's what I'm offering and guess what he walks he walks I was at a church service this morning where it was lovely and the people were lovely and it was great and it was a beautiful setting but if you were a casual observer you would not have realized that Jesus had the power to change anything in fact you'd have struggled to know that Jesus was actually even alive but he is and we know it don't we and he's here in you through you he's not gone and changed his power is not undiminished it's just got spread out who is your and and what is your power and the man who's not walked for 40 years 40 years maybe you came in 
tonight with a crippling condition, either physical, emotional, or spiritual. It's been like a long time. It's been like a lifetime of having this stuff that you've lived with. The man who's not walked for 40 years had the same crippling problem instantly, we read. Instantly walks. Instantly walks. Isn't that incredible? Peter and John went to pray. And they allowed their life to be interrupted. And they got all obedient. And they stooped. And they served. And they spoke. And the power of God changed the life. Isn't that just incredible? I, I, want you, I want you to notice one more thing and then, we'll, then I'll be quiet and we can respond. See, if the passage finished there, it would be really cool. We'll just go into ministry and people get prayed for and, you know, I want to be like that and feel wonder and amazement. And, but look at verse 11. Just, just a couple of minutes. While the beggar, can't read it, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. I, I've, I think I've read that verse hundreds of times and never noticed this. Why is the beggar holding on to Peter and John? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, two verses earlier, he's walking and leaping and praising God because a miracle happened. Something has changed in his life, but now... Two verses forward, he's holding on to Peter and John. Isn't that interesting? It's like he's forgotten what's just happened to him. It's like he's got this incredible thing that's happened in his life. It's changed everything for him. For 40 years, he sat at the gate beautiful. Maybe someone put him there every day. Maybe someone was paid to do it. I don't know. Maybe someone just picked him up and, and put, put him there. But he just put him there. But and suddenly... In the name of Jesus Christ, and he's walking, and he's leaping, and he's doing some weird dance thing, and that's why everyone's come to see because this guy, they know this guy, they've seen this guy, they've walked past this guy. And he was leaping and praising God, and now he's holding on. Think maybe he's forgotten. What will stop you moving in the power of God? Let me tell you, forgetting what happened to you. Forgetting what you carry. Leaning when you should be leaping. Leaning when you should be leaping. Your life gets so patterned after the, after the stuff that you can't do that you forget what you can do. Your mind hasn't caught up with your, your body. He's leaning when he should be leaping. Guys, what are you leaning on that you don't need anymore? What are you leaning on that you don't need anymore because you've been free? But you forgot you're free, so you're leaning on it again. What people are you leaning on that you don't need to be leaning on anymore because you should be leaping? What substances are you leaning on that you don't need to be leaning on anymore because you should be leaping, but you forgot that you're free from those things? Because when you came to know Christ, he freed you up and he cleaned you up and he forgave you up and everything changed. But you went back to leaning on these things. Tonight, God wants to remind you, some of you have a reality. And allow your mind to catch up with your heart. You're free. You're forgiven. You don't need to lean anymore. So Peter and John went to pray.
Can you imagine what would happen if this, just, this, just, just you guys, we'll just pretend it's just us, okay? If just us, if, if, if we sought the face of God and we connected to the power of God and we stopped because we were willing to be interrupted and we stooped because we were willing to love in the way that Jesus loved and we served and we spoke to a desperate, begging, dying world. What, what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen in our city? What do you think would happen just in your street? What do you, what do you think would happen in your bacon parties? What, what do you think would happen if I stopped diarizing my life within an inch of its death? And I started saying, God, mess with my life inconvenience me, interrupt me, send me. God, I've been focusing on all the wrong stuff, all the stuff I don't have and never leveraging the stuff I do have. Forget about that I don't have any more silver and gold. I got Jesus. What, what if I started leaping where I've been leaning? It all starts with prayer. And, and tonight... Even tonight, consumers of the presence can become participants in the power. Even tonight, Peter and John went to pray. Let's do the same. Let's pray together. No, um, no heavy, heavy, just, just a wheat and chaff prayer. Father, we, um, we pray that that which was just chaff, it was fleshy, it was of the preacher, it was a good idea at the time, would just be blown away on the wind, but that which was of your spirit for our hearts would sink deep. And make a radical difference. Father, we want to be people of power. Who have experienced your presence. And who walk in your power. So just, just in the quietness. Why don't you just ask the Lord. To recall for you one thing. That he's saying to you. And then the quietness, just do business with God about it. Ask him, speak to him. Tell him what you resolve. I have no right to be frustrated by the fruit that did not come from the seed I did not sow. It's a lamb to minister to your heart.